So as I mentioned, today we're going to get to hear a little bit from Celeste, so let's give her a hand as she comes up. There you go. So welcome. It's good to have you with us today. There we are. So uh, Celeste is what's called a pastoral care worker, or as uh, those in the know call it, a PCW, and uh, they're the artists formerly known as chaplains. So uh, for a long time we called the people who worked in schools in roles like Celeste chaplains, but now they're called pastoral care workers, uh, or PCWs, which is what we'll talk about today. And as a church, we're a part of a network called the Cooperating Churches of West Adelaide, and so together with a number of other churches in the area from all the different denominations, uh, Part of our responsibility is to oversee and support the work of PCWs in the local school. And so as a church, as a part of the cooperating churches, there's three PCWs that we support. So Nick, who is at Lockleys North Primary School, and then Nicole, who's at Torrensville Primary, and then Celeste, who is at Lockleys as well. So it's a real honour and privilege for us uh, to have these amazing representatives who uh, work in our local schools. So tell us a little bit about what a PCW is, what you do, and uh, what your role's all about. Yeah, great. Thank you. And thank you for this opportunity to be here today. It's such an honour to be able to share and, yeah, partner with you guys in the work that we do in the school. Um, I guess my role as a PCW, or any, any really title you'd like to call it, um, <laughs> no, it can get a bit confusing. Um, yeah, it's a bit new, unique because everyone else at the school has a specific role such as teachers are there to teach and everything and SSOs work with students one-on-one and office admin have their roles but um, as a chaplain it's so unique because I guess we're there really if I had to sum it up in one sentence I'd say we're probably there to support the well-being of the school within the staff the students and the school community and this is executed in different ways I guess um, by running um, lunchtime programs with the students and working with students one-on-one but there's no specific role that we have because yeah we're there for the whole school community um yeah and we also um support the staff in a resource way by going on camps and excursions with them and helping out um with the src and peer support and i've also run choir before which let's just say was interesting (laughs) so i'm not really talented in the singing department and so that was very short-lived, but I'd like to say it was because I went on maternity leave, but I think, <laughs> I think we all know the truth about that one. So, yeah, and so that's generally the role. It's hard to describe, but yeah, it's very unique and I really enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. And why would you say that the role is so important? Like, why is it such a crucial role in a school? Because it is, it's very vast and very diverse. Yeah. So what's, what's so important about the role of PCWs? Um, well, I have three young children. They're two, four, and... Eight, and the other day I asked them what um, their favourite thing about having a sister was and the middle one said popping balloons, so no guesses what we'd been doing that morning. <laughs> and the oldest one said um, having someone to play with at a playground when I don't have anyone else to play with. Mm. And I think that's so powerful that at the heart of everyone is to love and be loved and I think that's why I love the role so much and why I think it's so important because every child has that need to be loved and as it says in our title pastoral care worker we're there to care about others and let them know how much we care about them Um, and I once heard someone say that 
you may be the only, um, sorry, you may be the only example of Jesus that someone ever sees in their life. And I'm reminded of this each day as I walk into school, that how can I love these staff and students unconditionally? And I think everyone has their own story and it's so important to take the time to listen to them and hear their life story. And yeah, it's so powerful when you take the time to sit and just listen with them. Mm, yeah, it's really great. And I think given the culture that we're in, I think that's a, an absolutely amazing point that the reality is a lot of people will not necessarily ever go into a church or whatever. So that's uh, yeah, pretty amazing to say I may be the only glimpse that people get of Jesus. Can you give us a couple of stories about some of the things that you've been doing specifically over the last little while with some students or staff or families? Or, yeah, yeah. yeah, sure. Um, there's one specific um, child that I've been working with for a while um, she's in year two and she was going through a rough patch in her life she'd she'd stop eating food her mum was really concerned she was trying to like get her to eat all her favorite food she even made chicken nuggets and chips and she refused that so you know something's up if a child is refusing to eat <laughs> chips so I think it's a staple diet in my <laughs> kids life um, and she was withdrawn at school she wasn't playing with her friends her mum had taken her to doctors and psychologists and nothing was working. And then one day her teacher suggested that she come to see me. I was like, yeah, sure, I'd love to. Um, and so we spent some time um, drawing and just chatting a little bit. But at the end I left a little discouraged because she didn't really open up um, and she was still a bit withdrawn. But the next day um, she came to school and the mum was so excited. She was like, oh, my goodness, she's... She's changed, she's back to her normal self, she's eating, she's happy. And so I've been spending time with her every week. Um, and yeah, she's just changed, changed as a person. And I don't say that story to say, oh, I'm some miracle <laughs> worker, but I know the one who is a miracle worker. And yeah, it's just um, an amazing opportunity to be the hands and feet um, of Jesus in the school. But yeah, every day at Lockley's looks a bit different. I run a play group, which is really fun with the little kids. And I run a lunchtime program with girls focusing on friendship um, issues and there's a lot, a lot of that at the school at the moment. And um, I run some support groups and, yeah, I do some one-on-one. -on -one, but, yeah, just it varies a lot. So every day is different and, I, yeah, I love it. Yeah, for sure. It's great. So tell us a little bit about how we can support you and encourage you in your role. So as a church, what can we be doing to come alongside of you and support the work that you're doing? Great. Um, I think that it's yeah really important to partner with the local churches because sometimes being a PCW, it can be a little lonely in the school because everyone is there for other reasons and you're there on your own. So it's great having support from the local churches. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited about the relationship that's forming here between Lockleys and Brooklyn Park. I think it's something really special. Um, and yeah, I don't know if you're aware, but you've been a part of a few other recent projects that you've helped in the school. We um, did, you, um, sorry, did a bake sale, which we had at a movie night, which was yeah, a really successful movie night for our small school. It's only about 150 students. So, yeah, it's a really lovely community school. I'm not sure if you're yes, down the road there. So, yeah, it's really cute. Um, and also an Anzac, Anzac Garden Memorial, which... I started working on, but then I went on maternity leave. So, yeah, thank you for finishing that one up for us. Yeah, and it looks really beautiful in our school. Um, and we've got a few other projects on the radar. Like, I know schools always have projects up their sleeve, and our most recent one is an, a fruit orchard. 
So hopefully I won't be overseeing that one because <laughs> not too talented in the garden <laughs> area. I seem to kill any plants, even the ones that thrive on neglect. I still manage to kill them. <laughs> so yeah, we've got that one coming up. And yeah, um, that's just a practical way that our school is doing things. And um, every day when I go into school, I take this verse with me. I'll just read it. It's Matthew 5, 13 to 16, which... Once I start reading, I'm sure you'll know which one it is. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Every day when um, I go into school, my, prayer, my prayers are that I will have spiritual eyes to see the needs that other people can't see, to see the child that looks like they have it all together on the outside but they're crumbling on the inside or perhaps that teacher that's just struggling with the workload. Um, yeah, and also just to be at the right place at the right time, you often hear teachers say, oh, you came just at the right time. And I'm like, well, that's not a coincidence, is it? <laughs> so, yeah, they're some of the prayers that I take with me when I go into school. Yeah, it's really great. So we're really grateful for all the work that you do and uh, for the opportunity that we've got as well to be able to serve the school. Um, one of the things that we've been talking a bit about over the last six months or so with Lockleys is that it is a fairly small school. And so because of that, they really struggle to get funding because funding is tied to how many students you have. And so... There are some things that are a bit more challenging at their school, even just in terms of looking after the grounds and different bits and pieces like that. And so that's where people like us being able to come in and to help out with those sorts of projects just makes a phenomenal difference. Um, and so we're really grateful that we've got the, the privilege of being able to serve in a school. We don't take that lightly at all. And so we're looking forward to continuing to see where this all goes. So, yeah, it's great. So let me pray for you now. And, uh, yeah. God, we are so grateful for Celeste and all the work that she does on a week-in, week-out basis over at Lockleys. Um, we do recognise, just listening to her again, what a massive scope uh, her role is uh, to be able to do in just a couple of days a week um, as she thinks about what it looks like to come alongside of students and not just students who are struggling, but as she said, students who look like they've got it all together but internally may have a bunch of things going on, um, trying to come alongside of groups of students who may not be getting on well together, trying to look at how she can support the staff and all the amazing work that they do, and then being called in in different situations as well to try and support families, often in really, really difficult circumstances, going along on camps, going along on excursions. Uh, there's so much in that. And so I do pray that you would continue to sustain her and you would continue to provide for her. And that as she said, on a daily basis, uh, she would be able to go in with very open arms um, to be able to see uh, and hear what it is that you've got as an opportunity for her to wrap her arms around people. And so I pray that for us as a church, we would continue to pray on a weekly basis for all of the PCWs around us, um, that each day they would be able to go in and, as Celeste said, just be in exactly the right time, uh, place at the right time uh, to be able to have the right 
conversation, to be able to ask the right question, to be able to provide the right encouragement, uh, whatever that might look like. So um, we're grateful for her and her heart and uh, the reputation that she's got at the school, the way that she is so well loved um, by staff and parents and by the students. And we pray that as this year continues to roll on, you would give her more and more opportunities to be able to be salt and light as she goes in on a weekly basis. So thank you for her. We pray that you continue to bless uh, her family and uh, as they continue to look for ways to serve, not just in this role, but as a family together. And we pray that you would help them to uh, yeah, find the places where they can make the greatest difference possible. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Celeste. Let's give her a hand. Thank you. So today, it is really, really great to be able to hear a little bit about what Celeste is up to. And uh, as I said, I continue to be really incredibly encouraged about the opportunities that we've got to be able to come alongside of and support Lockleys, uh, as well as the other schools in particular, but uh, they're kind of our closest school in some ways. And as I said, a school that has some very significant needs. So uh, continue to pray for those opportunities to open up and then continue to pray that we can find ways of being able to serve and support the school as time marches on. We've spent a fair bit of time over the last couple of years uh, talking about how much the community around us has shifted and how much it's changed and that people don't necessarily look to churches or look at churches the way that they did once upon a time. And uh, if you ask a lot of people in the community around us who don't have anything to do with the church, what they think of the church they will probably say some things that are a little bit hard for us to hear. They will say that we are very judgmental. They will say that we are hypocritical. And uh, they will say that we're probably irrelevant as well. And that's really, really hard for us to hear. But we have to recognise that we have brought some of that on ourselves as churches uh, because of some of the things that have happened. And particularly the child abuse that's happened in the church has created significant damage to the reputation of the church. And so people don't see us the way that they once did and the way that we would love them to be able to see us. And the challenge for us is to continue to recognise that the only way that's going to change is for us to be able to develop relationships with people and to be able to help them to see us differently. That's the only way that uh, that perception is going to change. And so having people like Celeste in schools is really, really amazing and the other PCWs that we have around the place. Uh, But I am sure that she would agree that just having people who are in paid roles or even in significant volunteer roles in different organisations like schools is just not enough. And it's the challenge that for Celeste, even when she does a really, really amazing job, that's kind of the expectation because she's supposed to be like that because she's a pastoral care worker. And so if she doesn't pastorally care for people, she's not doing her job. So there's just a default expectation that, well, of course you're like that because you're a PCW, you're a chaplain. And even for someone like me, who when I do anything with a school like Lockleys, the reality is that I'm going in as the pastor from Brooklyn Park Church of Christ. And so there's a bunch of stuff that comes with that and a bunch of expectations. But when ordinary people, like all the rest of you, get involved and look for opportunities to be able to serve or to encourage or to come alongside of people, that's when people prick their ears up and say, huh, 
there's something different about you. Why are you doing this? Because there's no need for you to do this like there is for someone who's in a, a specific role. So why are you involved in serving our church, uh, serving our school community or whatever else we might be doing? So over the next few weeks, we're going to keep coming back to this theme and talking a bit about what it looks like for us to go beyond just the walls of our church and to come back and think again, as we try to do regularly, about what's going on in the community around us. And as I mentioned earlier, today we're going to talk about that from a local perspective. Next week, we'll zoom out and talk about that from a bit more of a national perspective as we talk about Reconciliation Week. And then the week after that, we'll zoom out even further and talk about what's happening at a global level as Val comes and shares uh, from global mission partners and all of these things are about how do we build connections how do we build relationships with people uh, and ultimately how do we serve people so that we can help to change people's perspective about why we're here so in today's reading we've got Jesus sending his disciples out so he has taken some time uh, significant time to pray into this and to gather a group of people who he knows he's going to spend the next few years really investing in and coming alongside of and saying these are the key people who are going to continue the mission that I have got of helping people to understand what God is all about after I'm gone. And so he's gathered them together, he's selected these people, and then he's in the process of sending them out to do what we're talking about as well, to get to know people in the communities around them, to look for opportunities to be able to serve those communities, and to be able to just start conversations about this idea of the kingdom. And whenever we talk about the kingdom, we're simply talking about living life the way that God created us to live. So when we talk about the kingdom, we're saying we believe that God created us to live with things like love and peace and joy and an emphasis on healthy relationships at the core of who we are. And whenever we live that way, we're tapping into this idea of the kingdom. And so it's really quite remarkable to look at what Jesus' instructions are to these people that he's gathered together. And so I want you to put yourself into the shoes of the disciples and think about how you would respond if you were being given these instructions. And if that's a little bit challenging, think about it this way, that if this morning I got up here and I said, when we leave today, here's your marching instructions. This is what you're going to do as you head out this week. Just think about how you would be feeling if you were given these instructions. So Jesus says, I want you to go out and I want you to heal the sick, raise the dead and cast out demons. So off you go. That's your task for this week is to go out there, find people who are sick and heal them. Find people who are dead and raise them back to life and find people who are demon possessed and get rid of those demons. That's what your job is this week. And if that's not challenging enough, Jesus then says these words that we looked at in Matthew 10 verse 8. You've received without paying, so give without being paid. Don't carry any gold, any silver or copper money in your pockets. Don't carry a beggar's bag for the trip or an extra shirt or shoes or a walking stick. Workers should be given what they need. So Jesus says, I want you to go out and do all of those incredibly radical things, but I want you to do that without accepting any payment whatsoever. Even though all of you have given up your jobs, so we know the people that Jesus called were fishermen and tax collectors and people who had walked away from their careers and now don't have a source of income, don't have any way of buying food. And Jesus says, when you go, don't expect any payment for that either. 
That's what you've got to do as you head out and do these amazing things. Uh, in fact, you're not allowed to take any money with you. So even if you've saved up some money, you're not allowed to take that. So you have to leave all of your savings behind and go with absolutely nothing. Oh, and by the way, you're not allowed to take a bag with you either because no possessions, nothing else. Uh, in fact, the only thing that you can take with you is what you're wearing right now. That's it. And then you have to trust that God's going to provide for you in every way that you need as you go out and do these radical things. So imagine that that was the instructions that I gave you this morning. I'd probably get kicked out. (laughs) But that's the plan this week, people. We're going to go out and we're going to heal people. We're going to raise the dead. We're going to cast out demons. But the only things you're allowed to take are the clothes you're wearing right now. Your bags, you'll have to leave them here. You can't take any money with you and uh, you can't accept any payment for anything. So on the basis of that amazing opportunity, who's in? Who wants to come? (laughs) Right? But that's what Jesus says to his disciples. That's what he encourages them to go out and do. It's absolutely radical. And it's a clear sign of the trust that these disciples had in Jesus already. To be able to say, okay, (laughs) if that's what you want us to do, Jesus, I guess that's what we'll go and do. It's pretty amazing. But what Jesus says next is what's most helpful for us and is incredibly profound as we think about the idea of going beyond our church walls. Jesus says in Matthew 10 verse 11, when you come to a town or a village, go in and look for someone who's willing to welcome you in and stay with them until you leave that place. When you go into a house, say, peace be with you. If the people in that house welcome you, let your greeting of peace remain. But if they don't welcome you, then take back your greeting. Now again, for us as we head out this week, it's probably a bit challenging to think that we're going to go out and we're going to find some people who are just going to put us up. So we're going to find someone who's going to let us come and live with them. It's probably not a part of our culture, so we won't worry about that one too much. But the concept of being and finding a person of peace is something that's very, very significant, and that's what we want to drill in on today. We've talked before about what the idea of peace is, what this word means from a Jewish perspective. That's the word shalom. And it really means life the way that it's supposed to be. Peace is not, when we talk about it from a scriptural, biblical perspective, not just about the absence of conflict, but it's about those moments when we say, yes, this is how life is supposed to be. Those moments when we know that we're living in a healthy relationship with God and we're living in a healthy relationship with the people around us. Those moments when we have a sense of joy and contentment. Those moments when we can kind of say, yes, this is what life is supposed to be all about. And so Jesus says that as people who follow him, our focus is on being people like that, embracing this way of life And as we do, to focus on two things. First of all, to come as a person of peace. Jesus doesn't tell his disciples to go out and tell everyone around them what's wrong with them. Or go out and tell all of the people around them about all of the ways in which they need to change. He says, go out and share this peace with the people that you connect with. As is said in so many sci-fi movies, we come in peace. That's ultimately what our role is as people who follow Jesus, is to go out into our community and all of the connections that we've got and to share this sense of peace, this sense of shalom, this sense of this is the way that life is supposed to be. So 
we come as people of peace as we go out into this week. We look for opportunities not to judge, not to tell people what's wrong with them, not to tell them these are all the things that you have to get right in your life, but simply to share this amazing radical message of Jesus that is all about peace and living the way that God created us to live. But as we do that, Jesus says that our focus should be on trying to connect with a person of peace. So is there anyone, as we go out and about and connect with the people that we do, who really, we can sense, resonates with this message? Are there people who seem to have a common heart, a common mindset, people who seem to be kind of living as people of peace, or people who seem to be really craving that idea of peace? And this is really, really helpful for us because I think sometimes, and I know I can feel this way, we can feel very overwhelmed about all of the opportunities that are around us and about what it means for us to connect with the people around us and to share about Jesus and to talk about why we think Jesus is the most important thing in our lives and why it's important that we feel like people should gather together in the ways that we do. But what Jesus gives as instructions to his disciples really simplifies it down significantly. All we need to do is focus on embracing this way of peace that Jesus has given us and then thinking about the ways in which we can share that peace with the people around us, with our neighbours, with our friends, with our workmates, with our schoolmates, with the people that we interact with when we go and do our shopping. In all of the opportunities that we have, what does it look like for us to be people of peace who share that peace with the people that we connect with? And so as we serve, including opportunities like we've talked a bit about today, yesterday is a really great example. As we serve at the barbecue, as we serve at the trading table, as we serve the bake sale, as we sell plants, our focus is on being people of peace. And to be able to say, how can we help people to know that we're interested in them? How can we encourage people? How can we show that we care? How can we listen well? when we have the opportunity to go and serve in a school, when we have an opportunity to go and serve at Bunnings this Tuesday, what does it look like for us to embrace that mindset and live as people of peace? But what's the real weight off the shoulders is that as we connect with all those people, we don't have to feel the pressure of trying to convert everyone. And for some reason, that became a bit of a norm in some circles of the church, particularly through the last century. This focus on we have to try and be the people who convert everyone to follow Jesus. But Jesus actually makes it really clear from the start that there's going to be people who we interact with who don't care, who are not interested in the slightest. And Jesus' response to that is the same as Taylor Swift, shake it off. I know most of you don't get the reference, but Josh will really like it and Tim. So (laughs) it's a song. (laughs) So... That's what Jesus' response is to his disciples, is shake the dust off your feet. Just walk away. It doesn't matter. It's okay. You should have an expectation that some people around you are not going to be interested in this message of peace. And that's totally fine. Let yourself off the hook about that. Our responsibility is to not, not to try and convert everyone, but simply to try and identify those people who seem interested, those people who seem curious, Those people who feel like they resonate a little bit with what we're doing. It's exactly what Celeste said her role is on a weekly basis in at the school. She goes in with an open mindset to say, who are the people who need an opportunity to connect with Jesus today? 
to hear the message of peace that Jesus has got? And how do I have the opportunity to do that? And that should be our mindset every day in every circle that we walk in, all the relationships we've got, all the connections we've got, to just say, how do I serve this person? How do I encourage this person? How do I care for this person? How do I love this person the way that I know Jesus does? So as we wrap up our message today and get ready to transition into communion, I want to leave us this question to reflect on. I was tempted to say, who do you know who you can raise from the dead this week as our reflection question, but I felt like that was probably a little bit challenging, so we'll go with this instead. Who are the people of peace around me? Who are the people of peace that are around me? Now, again, that can seem a little bit complex and a little bit overwhelming. So there's a bunch of other questions that I've got there to try and help us see whether this kind of triggers any memories or any thoughts about people that we've already got connections with. So who are the people around me who are welcoming? Who are the people that I know who just seem to have a heart to welcome other people in? Who are the people who have an amazing heart for hospitality and just seem to love to create an environment for people to feel at home, which is that sense of peace? Who are the people who look for opportunities to serve others? That no matter what they do, no matter what they're involved in, whether it is in a school or a community organisation or a sporting club or just on their street, who are the people who seem to have a real heart to serve? Who are the people who have an influence on others? Who are the people who seem to just have lots of really good networks and seem to make a difference in other people's lives? Who are the people who are asking really good questions? Who are the people who seem to be searching, who seem to be yearning for something more in their life? Who are the people who want to make our neighbourhoods a better place to live? I have the privilege of being able to be a part of an organisation that's called Thriving Neighbourhoods, which is made up of uh, people from the council, uh, people from the local children's centres, a couple of other community organisations, and then us and Richmond Baptist Church. And the whole heart and focus that we've got is that last question. How do we help communities to be the best place possible for people to be able to live? How do we help our neighbourhoods to be able to thrive? And so we have all of these people who are a part of thriving neighbourhoods, the majority of whom are not involved in churches in any way, who simply have a heart to be able to say, how do we help families connect with each other? How do we help our streets to be safe places where kids can hang out and have fun together? How do we help people to feel like they have a sense of belonging? I would say all of the people who are part of thriving neighbourhoods are people of peace. And as I spend time with them, I can sense there's this real resonance, even if they wouldn't use the language around Jesus and kingdom that we would use. But there are amazing opportunities to think about. What's it look like to continue conversations with them? So as you look at those questions... I want you to just reflect and think, is there anyone that jumps to mind? Are there any of my neighbours that I think about that fit some of those characteristics? Are there people that I know around the place through some of the networks that I'm a part of? Is there anyone that I know who's maybe even a part of my family but has walked away from church or never been involved in church for whatever reason? Are there any of my friends who would fit those characteristics? If they are, they're probably the people that Jesus is talking about, people of peace. And Jesus' encouragement to us is simply to spend time with them and to allow that peace that's a part of who we are as we follow Jesus to just kind of rub off and to resonate and to see where those relationships go. 
It's not about the pressure of having to tell anyone a certain gospel message or a presentation or trying to convert people. It's just about letting our lives rub off on each other. And as we do, to naturally and organically share about why Jesus is important to us and why being a part of a church community is important to us, and as we do that, to slowly start to see people's perceptions shift. So I'm going to pray, and uh, then Mark is going to come and lead us around the communion table. I'm going to pray that God would continue, as Celeste so beautifully shared, to help us every day to get up with that same mindset, to say, God, help me to see people the way that you see them. And as I do, to be a person of peace, who can connect with other people of peace, and as we do, that your kingdom can continue to grow in the neighbourhoods around us. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the way that you took these ordinary people, uneducated, a lot of them young, a lot of them, these people who became what we now know as your disciples, the people who chose to follow you and to follow your way of life and who over time ended up turning the world upside down. And they did all of that because of your presence in their life. It wasn't because they were special. It wasn't because they were powerful. It wasn't because they were significant in a lot of the ways that we often think about significance. It was simply because they were people who were willing to say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And so we thank you that as they went, they were able to help people to be able to see the world in a different way. And we thank you that you made things so clear for them and so easy in lots of ways and that that then transfers and translates for us 2,000 years later, where we've got the opportunity to be able to be your hands, your feet, your eyes, your mouthpiece in the communities in which you place us. And so my prayer for us is that you would continue to help us to embrace a life of peace. You would continue to help us to recognise that you've done everything necessary for us to experience your love and your acceptance. You've done everything necessary for us to be a part of your family and to experience life the way that we were created to live. That's amazing. And so help us as we go out into this week to be people who live that out, live out a sense of joy, live out a sense of contentment. And then as we connect with the people around us, we pray for opportunities just to be able to see people the way that you do, and especially to see people who might resonate with your message, who might resonate with being people of peace, and who might want to work together with us to be able to see our community transformed. We know that you've got so much more that you want to do in the western suburbs of Adelaide, that you're far from done with us. You're far from done with this community. You haven't given up. And so I pray that you would help us to see those opportunities where we can make a difference, whether it's in local schools, whether it's in our local streets, whether it's in relationships that we've got, and to be able to see your way of life become a reality around us. In your name we pray. Amen.